Hey, this is Reno Riggins, and you're live with Wolfie D. Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D. From his time in the territories with PG-13, to his time in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more. Nothing is off limits, and nothing will be held back. Thanks again for tuning in. Here he is, Wolfie D. Hey guys, welcome once again, Live and in Color with Wolfie D. And... I feel so repetitive. I do this all the time. Uh, <laughs> it's me. It's me. It's Wolfie D, not the D O double G. I just stole a little something from him. It's Jimmy across the street. And we're yes. here. We're ready to talk. Uh, today's giving is Reno Riggins. What a cool interview. I can't wait, man. I can't wait to talk to him. I know, man. You know, I didn't know Reno so well, but I did know him for a little bit. I know you guys have a great history, so I just can't wait to... I got a funny thing I want to say. I've said it on the show before, but it's the famous Reno jacket story, so I think it'll be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What are you going to do? Man, I've had my son for fall break, you know, Tennessee schools. Yeah, yeah. So I did a lot of driving in a lot of days. I went to watch my nephew play football. Yeah, yeah. You, you did them old school miles, man. Yeah, yeah. Like the the miles PG thirteen used to do. You know that kind you did, of stuff. You did the loop. Yeah, yeah. I did the loop. That's hilarious. But anyway, say hey, Cash. Hi. That's my boy. <laughs> That's Cash yeah. Money Street. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, his birthday, right? Yeah, he's sixteen years old, bro. Yeah, awesome. I awesome. know. You got him driving yet? A little bit, yeah, a little bit. He doesn't have the same drive for it that I did as far as I wanted to be on the road at 14, and he's just right. like, yeah, I got a friend who drives. I'm cool. Brother, I drove for probably five years until I actually got a license. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Yeah, USWA with no license after. Dude, that's hilarious. I didn't know that. That's amazing. You are living the gimmick. You're totally a PG-13 member. Yeah. All right. So what was it on Facebook? I saw something about your landlord. What was the deal with that? Oh, no. My landlord's awesome. And uh, But our, we, had, we had a problem in, like, the upstairs bonus room, which is uh, Isaiah's room. It has, a, uh, I think they call it, like, a moon light or something like that. It's like a, he's got a hole in the ceiling. And uh, a square hole, but it has a bubble plastic thing on top so you can see out. But it creates so much heat up there, like during the summer. And it's like opposite in the winter. And it's just like uh, we we had talked to the landlord about it. And he don't live here. He lives in South Carolina. Okay. So I can come by and see the house a lot or anything. But anyway, he got the roof replaced and we're getting those things filled in. So in order to do so. I had the, you know, the roofers came by to observe, you know, their, to observe the property they're fixing to work on. And they seen all the, the Halloween stuff out there and they told the landlord, it looks awesome. It looks awesome, but they're going to have to move it or we'll, you know, probably break it. You know, yeah. they have the, their yard with their trucks and blah, blah. So we had to take down all of that cool stuff that I just made. Oh, man. Now my garage looks like a haunted house. But they just. <laughs> <laughs> they just got finished, and I get to put it all back out. But they're calling for hail tonight and thunderstorms. I'm like, nope, you're not beating my shit up. So right. I, ha- I actually left the werewolf out there because he was close to the road, and they wouldn't hit him. But right, always coming. I'm like, nope, I'm bringing him in. Yeah. So is it? Are they expecting Randy hail 
tonight, or is it just <laughs> They're expecting Randy Hale tonight? <laughs> it'll be. It won't be as round. It'll be more like little shards of you know daggers, you know. Now, Wolfie D. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I got to work on my Randy Hales in person. Yeah. Yeah. That was bad. <laughs> it was. You're right. Uh, yeah. Anyway, let's talk to your buddy Reno, man. I'm I'm excited, dude. This yeah. guy has a million stories, and I I'm I'm excited to just get a couple of them. So. Oh yeah, and I'm telling you, but he's an awesome human being. But then seriously, man, I, some people, you know, they only know him as one thing. Right. Uh, Oh, the the probably one of the most successful uh, him and Barry Horowitz, two of the most successful, uh, you know, job guys. And yeah, you know, as an insult, he made money and you wrestled some of the greats, man. So, yeah, we'll come back here in a minute and uh, we'll talk to him. I love it. Let's do it. We'll be right back after these messages. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey folks, to get your official Live It In Color with Wolfie D merchandise, go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Live Wolfie D. Check it out. If you're listening to Live It In Color with Wolfie D on Apple Podcast and like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave a five-star rating. And while you're at it, write a review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you'd like to hear in the future. It's very important to us and always appreciated. Thanks again. All right, we're back. And as promised, I've got an old time friend uh, coming on the show tonight. Uh, Reno Riggins, man. How are you? I'm telling you, Wolfie, if it got any better, it'd be illegal. <laughs> you've awesome. always got it going on you've always had it going on man you still got the you got the garage thing or the the car thing still going yeah. On? yeah 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 here in nashville tennessee me and my family we had this auto paint and body shop here for the last 47 years so yeah, yeah. we're just we're just we're just we're just hanging and banging every day at the body shop They're hanging and banging saying your prayers eating your vitamins yes that's it. We're trying to, at least. We're trying to. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Reno, I'm trying to think, man, back to the day, man, when I when I met you. I mean, you you remember I, I got in the business when I was 15, 16 years old, and I'm pretty sure it was you were one of the first people uh that I was uh had the had the opportunity to get in the ring with uh George Weingroff, you, uh, and, and so many other guys that had been down the road and I, I was so thankful to be in there. Uh, I've always, me and you've talked about this before. Uh, me and you just had a chemistry in the ring, man, since day one. And and I loved working with you, man, man. I appreciate that. And, and I tell you, I was talking to one of our mutual friends this evening, Jason James. Uh-huh. And I was telling him about the story of, and, and, and I'm going to go into a deep story here real quick. Yeah. Roger's right, right out of the gate. And it was a story of, I think you and I were working in Nashville at the fairgrounds together, and we kind of got thrown into a main event type of situation. At least that's what I can recall of it. Yeah. 
and 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 we knew uh, the main event wasn't there, and so I, I think you and I realized that we really had to pull off a tremendous match, or we we just you know kind of kind of just went out there and got after just what was basically just ourselves. You're right. And next thing you know, man, we tore the house down, and. Yeah. And of course, in the in Nashville, a lot of you know, for for folks that are around the country who who've never ever got to visit the historic Nashville Fairground Sports Arena, it was a situation where the good guys are on one side of the arena, the bad guys are on the other, and there was no communicating before the match, right? Or at least not any really detailed communication right. before right. the match, and so we were uh, going out there and like like old school. Calling yeah. it on the fly, yeah. And and I think I was I was a heel, and uh, and Wolfie was the was the baby face, and um, and and I was you know I, I, for me at the end of the day the bottom line was entertain the fans. They're the ones that that paid the money. They're the ones that that paid our salary, and let's yeah. make sure they go home satisfied and happy. Yeah. And Absolutely. and and I felt like that same night Wolfie. Uh, you know, felt, felt the same way as way, you know, same way as well. And we went after that night and I mean, we absolutely jailed. Yeah. I mean, it was, and, 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 and so, 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 so we go out, we have the match, we, we, we tear it down. And a few days later we would go and do like our interviews for the following week. We'd go over to the studio, Coleman studios. Yeah. And, and Wolfie and I didn't get to speak after the, after the match. So mm-hmm. I don't see Wolfie for two or three days. And then we're at the studio doing interviews and I'm sitting there talking to my old tag partner, Steve and Wolfie walked in and I, I, I remember this vividly. I jumped up and, and I gave him a big hug and I told him, I, I asked him, I said, what did you think about that match the other night? Cause I, me inside, I'm giddy. I mean, I am just, just bursting, just bursting. And and I'm hoping, and I'm hoping he is bursting too, because I'm hoping that we get to continue to work together. And Wolfie comes in and, and I said, Wolfie, how'd you feel about that match the other night? And he goes, man, he goes, and he felt the same way I did. Mm-hmm. And I told him right then, I told him right then and there, because at this point in my career, I had, I'd, I'd been to WCW. I had been to WWE, and uh, I, I had I had you know helped a lot of people further their career. And now I kind of feel like I'm I'm trying to further my own at that point. Yeah. And, and I told Wolfie, I said, you know, I said I have pretty much to this point in my career have wrestled, and, and, and it, it, I mean it can be argued. I mean, but. I, I told him, I said, at this point in my career, I feel like I have wrestled the Mount Rushmore of of guys in our industry. Yeah, I've wrestled Ric Flair. I've wrestled Shawn Michaels. I've wrestled Bret Hart. You know, I've wrestled beautiful Bobby Eaton. I've wrestled Owen Hart, Bret, uh, Shawn Michaels, Randy Macho Man Savage, Rick Rude, and the yeah. list goes on and on. But I told him, I said, I've uh, Kurt Henning, just to yeah. keep throwing names out. Yeah. I said, but out of all those guys that I ever wrestled, I never felt what I felt Saturday Damn. night at the National Fairgrounds Sports Arena with you. Damn. And, uh, and, and and I wish 
I wished we could had headlined a, you know, a big pay-per-view somewhere. Cause I felt like, and this is of course, you no, know, maybe being braggadocious. And if so, then, you know, forgive me, please. But I felt like, you know, we would, we wouldn't have took a back seat to Savage and Steamboat or, yeah. or any other great matches over the years that, that fans still tout to this day. I felt like we, we had it. And, you know, and I feel like, you know, looking back on it, I'm 55 years old now, mm-hmm. but looking back on it, I feel like guys who try to, you know, continue their careers with a tag partner or something of that nature, what mm-hmm. you need to do is you need to find somebody that you had that kind of chemistry with in the ring. Yeah. And that's your tag partner. That's your tag. That's the guy you're trying to go get in front of big time decision makers to further yep. your career with. And, yeah. uh, and it was a match that, you know, I look, and I see, you know, I see wrestlers out there today. And, and of course, you know, uh, I know there's, they've sit back there and went over that match for the last six hours before they go out there and perform. <laughs> and, yeah. and this was a match. This was a match that, Oh, hey, Wolfie, you're in the main event tonight against Reno. Oh, hey, Reno, uh, you're in the main event tonight against Wolfie. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And that, that, that art. That did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That art of the industry, I, I don't, I mean, like, I, I'm not around, I'm not around it today, so I, I can't speak um, intelligently about that aspect of it anymore. But yeah. for what we did back then, I, I'd put it against anybody. I mean, it was. It was, I mean, sometimes like, like sometimes when you get two singers together or you get, you know, two actors together to act out a scene, yeah. uh, Wolfie and I had that and we didn't maybe necessarily know that up to that point because, because Wolfie had had tremendous success, you know, up to that point, And, and I had had a, a pretty decent career up to that point as well. And we got out there and it just, it just seemed like it was just so effortless, but everything that we did was just, the timing was there. The intuition was there. The, I mean, it was, it was, yeah, it's just one of those things you really can't, you can't explain it too much. It's just, it's, it's there. And, and there's some guys that you work with that, uh, like, I, I I've I had Road Dog on not too long ago and he asked me about Brad and I worked Brad one time and Brad's known to be like one of the best and whatnot. But me and Brad had a in my mind, the way I describe it, a good match. All right. We had a good match. Yeah. We didn't really talk about a lot. And then I'm sure anybody that watched it would say it was a good match. But I wanted more. I wanted uh, to work Brad in like an angle, you know, something that had meaning and stuff. But me and you were able to go out there that night and just just go do it, man. And sometimes you click you click with people. Sometimes you don't. But to yeah. further that, I mean, yeah, we had that match. But then we had so many more uh, with you and Steve against me and Jamie uh, for yeah. your other uh, organization that you started, Main Event Wrestling. Uh, you've always had a hand in. In, in promoting uh, shows and stuff like that. But it was awesome. We always had great stuff. I, I'll never forget the the time that uh, me and Jamie went out there and put wigs on and put you guys' mm-hmm. outfits on and did the yeah. little thing of, hey, let me tell you something. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, let me, let me tell you, Russell. Let me tell you, for me, that was one of the whole highlights 
of when we did uh, a little thing called Main Event Championship Wrestling here in yeah. Nashville, Tennessee, at the fairgrounds. Yeah. And it, people, you know, people who are wrestling fans, and uh, they might recognize me now just out of the blue somewhere, which is, yeah. you know, that, that sometimes happens few and far between, but <laughs> they'll, they'll, they will reference that. And yeah. and my wife teases me about that all the time. She says, that was one of the best things y'all ever did. And I said, Hey, I didn't have anything to do with it. I didn't know what they were going to do. They just went out there and did it. And I yeah. said, you know what, Steve, Steve, Steve was about half hot. And I told him, I said, Hey Steve, this is great entertainment. Let them run with it. Let them run, <laughs> man. This is great. It's hilarious, man. I love doing that. Oh man. my goodness. And that was, I mean, if anybody ever, I, I think, you know what, I think somebody posted that on YouTube not too long ago. Yeah. I, and, I'm, and, and if so, please, please look that up because yes. that was, that was, that was classic. That was gold. And if, especially if you know, like, if you know you and you know him, like me and Jamie did, uh, we were able to pull it off even better because we knew you so well. We knew the things you said, and the things you did and the way y'all um, acted, all that kind of stuff. It was hilarious. I'm, you I'm had, man, I, I would have to say as far as WWEF, whatever, uh, enhancement guys, man, you were probably, you and Barry Horowitz were probably the top two guys when you would you does that fair yeah yeah i mean i'll, I'll i'm gonna roll with that i'm not gonna turn that down you know yeah. <laughs> i appreciate that yeah yeah sure enough yeah heck i was even better than i was you know you know but i, I tell you one this was the thing too i was i was under a point with them i was at one point where they didn't renew my my agreement mm-hmm. and it's not that they didn't want me to come back but i think they were in a change of the setup of their business. Right. And so I, you know, and I was going to, I was going to miss a date with them and, and they didn't seem like they were too excited or not, not, not too in, 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 uh, in too big of a rush to have me at the next taping or whatever. And right. so a friend of mine called me from WCW uh-huh. and said, Hey, would you like to come down here? And, do TV, you know, they're, they're interested in having you to come down. Mm-hmm. I said, well, sure. I'm not, I've, I've got these dates open. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an equal opportunity and, you know, employee. So yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah. And so anywhere, anywhere that's paying me. And of course I was, I was doing a little bit better, a whole lot better at doing WWF and WCW programs than I were, you know, a lot of independents at the time. Right. And so, yeah, you know, I mean, of course, at the end of the day, the bottom line was, you know, it's a business and I've always kind of kept that. I've always kind of kept that and that, and probably uh, I've always kind of kept that mentality about me, but also too, maybe sometimes that hurt me too, you know, moving forward. But anyway, so I go down to WCW and they said, uh, Hey, uh, we hear you're a pretty decent worker. We've got you on the second tape with Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. And I was like, brother. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Let's, let's see how good of a worker I am. <laughs> <laughs> and I never will forget. I was talking to um, the guy who kind of, you know, put things together was a guy named Jody Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Now, for maybe a lot of your listeners who don't know who Jody Hamilton was, 
Jody Hamilton spent his whole entire career under a mask the assassin. and wrestled as and wrestled as the assassin. And and when I was growing up, man, he was hey, that's a tough dude right there. And he was he was a main eventer. Yeah. And so I get there and I don't know who Jody Hamilton is. I know who the assassin is, but I don't know who right. Jody Hamilton. So he's talking to me and I'm going, Why do I know that voice? Why do I <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm puzzled the whole entire night. Well, I didn't realize who he was until about <laughs> six months after I'd been working there. <laughs> you know, it was it, <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm big mark. I'm big mark, you know. <laughs> and so uh so so anyway, um so I'm I'm gonna go meet Rick Flair. Right. Yeah. So so Rick shows up, you know, and he's he's Rick Flair, right? He gets there when he wants to get there. Right. <laughs> and so I'm all you know, I'm a nervous wreck, you know. I'm like, oh yeah, just well I'm I'm sitting there in my back of my mind going, Whatever you do, don't screw up because now's yeah. not a good time for it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so um he shows up and, and they end up, you know, coming to get me. And saying, "Hey, we'll take you in here and introduce you to Flair." Yeah. So I go in, and there he is, brother. You know, know, three-piece suit, Rolex watch, alligator shoes, Louis Vuitton luggage. I mean, it is what you see on TV. Exactly. He goes. uh, So they introduced me to him, and he goes, "Hey, sweetheart, I hear a lot of great things about you, and they're looking forward to working with you tonight. And I'll see you out there." (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, so I went from being an absolute total nervous wreck to now just being beside myself thinking he knew my name yeah. and he called me up and he's heard good things about me. Yeah. So I'm thinking we're going to go out there and have a main event match. I didn't know, you know, <laughs> you know, but uh, although though, after we had locked up and, and like I said, he didn't even talk to me before the match. That was the only thing he said to me. So right. we're going to go out there and do you know, 12, 15 minutes of live television. And Wolfie can tell his audience that right there is an absolute eternity when you're yeah. doing television, Yeah, you know, and yeah. I'm going out there and I'm, I'm with the world champion, you know, yeah. Rolex wearing diamond ring wearing. I mean, <laughs> he's a real deal. Right. And so, uh, so we go out there and sure enough, we go out there and have a great match and come back. And, and he, he looked at me, you know, and he goes, brother, you got a big career ahead of you. And coming from flair, I mean, wow. I mean, what more, what, you know, what more do you want? Right. Yeah. And so, uh, we had, uh, went out, like I said, went out there and had a, had a great match and worked with him one night and the next night I had two or three different matches. So getting back to my point on all this was WWF at the time, they called me back and I go and I go to do TV for them. And so then, so one weekend, so, so all this, all this airs, on the same weekend. Mm-hmm. And back then you had, uh, WCW showing two shows on Saturday, two shows on Sunday. And cause all this was syndication, you right. know, it was all syndicated at the time. It wasn't Monday night raw. I mean, we're doing syndicated TV. So there was six hours of actually, no, I'm sorry, nine hours of WWF and WCW television. Yeah. And I was on every program having a match. So that week, so so for that one weekend, I was on TV more than Hogan, Flair, Savage, Steamboat, all those guys combined. I got more airtime than anybody. That's <laughs> and then, hey, I, and you did a great job at it. Oh, did Rick give yeah. you anything? Did he eat you up? Oh. Or did he work with you? No, 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 no. Yeah, pull it up, pull it up. Hey, uh, I had. Uh, 
No, no, we, we, we actually have a pretty good, pretty good little match and, it, and it's on YouTube. If you, okay. if you yeah, pull well, up, Reno, uh, Rick Flair versus Reno Riggins or vice yeah. versa. And I mean, I get him in the corner and I'm chopping him. I beal him, you know, give him the beal out of the corner and the drop kick and the beal. I mean, it was, it was, yeah, the big beal, you know, does anybody, does anybody uh, use the term anymore? It, isn't it funny, man? You're, you're like me, man. You've, you've been through a lot of generations of this. There's there's words that don't get used anymore. There's moves that don't get used anymore. Uh, terms, things like that. Just for instance, the beal. Nobody calls that a beal anymore. It's it's a hip toss, yeah. and nobody does that yeah. move out of the corner anymore. I mean, you, you yeah. Very, very, no, yeah, yeah. I tell you, and, the first and, and, person I ever did that with, first person I ever did that with, and learned the term from was George Weingroff. I've got he's, I've got him in the corner and I'm you know I've jumped up on the second rope and I give him the ten niggies and I jump down and he goes Bill I go yeah. Bill who <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who Bill I'm looking around like who's Bill is Bill hitting the ring I don't Bill know Dundee? what's going on you know <laughs> oh golly yeah I thought golly here comes some guy hit the ring named Bill I gotta fight him too <laughs> that's funny and, and no, even the yeah. the term. Uh, we used to call it double knockout and then drop down yeah. and it's, it's, it's float over now. It's, it's just weird shit. It's like, why what? the whole culture of the world is why do y'all want to keep changing shit? But at any yeah. rate, man, yeah, you, yeah no. awesome, man. And I can, I, I really want to look that match up and watch it. Just we will. Yeah. One of the things back in the day, Reno, when we actually got a little chance to work together, I was managing Jeremiah Plunkett and Drew Haskins at the time as the untouchables. And I never got the chance to really sit you down and talk to you. But both of those guys always said, you got to talk to him sometime, get in the questions. So now is my time. So (laughs) I want to hear some Tojo stories, man. I want to hear some Tojo stories. (laughs) Okay. Okay. This is one that I like to tell. Uh, when I was trying to break into the business, I went to the national fairgrounds every Saturday night. And, you know, back then it wasn't a very welcoming industry. Yeah. You know, they, they tried to run you off. Yeah. And so I, yeah, I ended up asking, uh, remember Sarah Lee, she was married to yeah. Corsica Joe. Yep. Remember her? Yep. So she, she, she felt sorry for me. She goes, oh, this pitiful puppy dog. You know, <laughs> and she said, look, she goes at the end of the night, go around back to the bad guy side. And she goes, wait for Tojo to come out and tell him that I sent you over there and that you want to be a pro wrestler. Mm. So sure enough, I go over there, I'm waiting outside and Tojo comes out and I'm, I'm following him to his car. And I guess he's getting ready to pull a knife on me thinking I'm getting, it, uh, <laughs> you know, some goofy shenanigans and he, he spun around, you know, and it scared the absolute piss out of me. So I didn't say nothing to him. I just, I hightailed it. Right. <laughs> and so, uh, so the, so I went back the next week. She said, did you talk to Tojo? And I said, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. She goes, go back there and tell me you want to be a wrestler. So, she, you know, next weekend he comes back out and headed to his car. And he was with, uh, managing at the time, Akio Sato, and Tarzan Goto. You remember them? Yeah. Um, and so, so, um, so, uh, he was with a couple of guys and I said, Mr. Yamamoto, Mr. Yamamoto. And he stopped and he turned around and I said, Miss Sarah Lee sent me to ask you if you would please train me to be a, a wrestler. <laughs> and he looked at me for a second and he went, no, 
and he turned around and got in the car. <laughs> <laughs> and so I come back the next week, and she says, did you talk to him? I says, well, I did. I asked him to be a pro wrestler, and he said no. She says, go do it again. She goes, she goes, go do it again. And so I go do it again, right? And kind of the same thing. And I said, uh, Mr. Mr. Yamamoto, I want to be a pro wrestler. And he stopped for a second. He said, be here in the morning at six o'clock. Huh. I said, okay. Okay. So, so the next morning, Sunday morning, six o'clock, I'm at the fairground sports arena and he had one, two, three, he had about four or five guys that showed up on Sunday mornings to work out with him. Uh-huh. And they were all learning, trying to learn. One guy was a guy named Craig Brown out of Hendersonville, Tennessee. One guy was a guy named Major Yates out of Springfield. One guy was Kevin Asherbrenner from Adams, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And the one guy was Sid Vicious. Yeah. And I saw I saw him and I went, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so and and so I was I was probably in you know, some I was young, I was probably in some of the best shape of my life. So, I, yeah. so he brings me into the building. They all get in the ring and start doing Hindu squats. I, I he he grabs he tells me go grab the trash cans. There's four of them and put one in each corner. So I do that and then he goes run, and I ran the whole entire time that they were in the ring working out. I go up the steps, across the balcony, down the steps, across yeah. the floor, back up the back. Yeah, I mean you, you know the layout, Wolfie. Yeah. And I ran and I ran and I ran and I got done. And he looked at me and he says, come back next week. And that was, that was it. And I was like, holy crap. You know, I, here I am over and the trash cans were for me to throw up in, which right. I did. Right. And, uh, so I come back the next week and it's the same thing. And this goes on for about a month, but yeah. I was too stupid. to I was too stupid to realize he's trying to run me off. You know, yeah. he, he's trying to do me a favor. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know. So, uh, by about the, the fourth or fifth week, Sid had, had left and has already started television in Memphis as Lord Humongous or something like that. Right. And so he brings, you know, and so, uh, so, so I, I would get there, I'd set the trash cans up and I'm conditioned now to start, just take off running. And he yeah. goes, no, 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 no. You come in the ring today. And man, when he told me that. Yeah, I was I was on cloud nine. I'm actually going to get to get that. That was going to be the first time I've I've been there for a month, and it's yeah. going to be the first time I've actually actually got to step in the ring, you know? Right. And so, and I did, and then our training started, and I'm telling you, it was some of the it was some of the hardest training I'd ever did in my life. I mean, he was he was he was legit, and yeah. um, so I trained with him for about a year and a half. A year and a half, not uh, yeah, two exactly. months. And right. okay, hey, let's see if we can get you booked in Columbia. Or let's right. see if we can get you booked over in Tulsa. I mean, if, if his name is on me, you know, you you, you better know what exactly. you're doing, right? So, and, and of course, everybody in Wolfie'll tell you this too. Everybody that starts out in this business sucks. I mean, <laughs> there's no guy who's ever been trained and went out there for their first match, and you go, okay, that guy's ready for WrestleMania. It just yeah. doesn't happen. It is right. a five six for some guys, seven, eight year process before they find out who they are in yeah. this industry. You know, yeah. I mean, it is a, it's, it's a work in progress. I mean, you're working on a 10 year Picasso. I mean, you're, you're working on a 10 year piece of art 
And you won't know until after the 10th year whether you like it or not, or whether it's good enough or not, or whether it needs to be changed or not. But yeah. and my that's just my thing. So, so finally, after a year and a half or so, he tells me, I think you're ready for a match. Okay. Yeah. So me and one of the other kids that was in the, in the class, major Yates, he said, uh, he, he told major you, you're ready to. So we drove, he says, meet us, meet us here. He said, meet me here at the fairgrounds. So we met the fairgrounds and he drove us to Columbia, Tennessee oh, on the on. way to on the, yeah, Mule Day. Mule Day. Oh, the big extravaganza. <laughs> Nick Nick Goulis, Nick Goulis is running the event, right? Let me tell you how hardcore Tojo was. Mm-hmm. He didn't smarten us up <laughs> until we was uh, we we're driving to Columbia, Tennessee. He's driving, we're in this he had a maroon Lincoln, it had tinted windows. I mean, and it was the Mac Daddy of the day of the era, right? right. Mm-hmm. And and so we're we're heading to Columbia, Tennessee, and then he smartens us up, uh-huh. which you suspect, you know. All right, right. All right we're, we're we're doing this, we're doing that, but you don't know all the magic, right? And so he smart he smartens us up, and he told us he says when you get in that locker room, you don't say nothing to nobody. You say yes sir, no sir, and you keep your head down. Yeah, and and that's what we did. You know, we didn't know yeah. any better. We've never been in a wrestling locker room before. And you know that, Wolfie, when you first yeah. start, you know, you are, you're, you're just trying to, just trying to fit in. You're not, you're right. not wanting to cause trouble. You're not wanting to draw any attention to yourself. You're just trying to get through the night without pissing your pants. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. And so, and, and, and so this thing at the time was so low budget. Okay. So we're out on this great big, uh, field. Uh, we're, it's almost like a, it's almost like an athletic field and they're, they're doing tractor pulls at one end and mules are parading around the other end, but they've got a, a wrestling ring set up out in the middle of this big field and the heels would come out of the, the, the baby faces would come out of the front part of this tent and the, and the heels would come out of the back part of the tent. And so we're all in the same tent, but we're going out in and out of different I go, and I'm sitting there going, this don't look too high. You know, this don't look too high class right here, right? <laughs> so anyway, we go out there, and we've got 10 minutes. So after Tojo smartens us up about halfway through the ride, he says, okay, this is what I want you to do. And he told us what he, what he wanted us to do. He wanted us to do what, he, what we had learned in class. We're just doing basic wrestling moves. And he said, and, and, and like, I'm the heel, but... Tojo said, you know, at one point, I want you to take him and throw him out on the floor or throw him out out of the ring. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And Tojo got the heat and I'm, you know, and, and I never really did one thing that would be, uh, cause I was the heel and he, and, 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 and major Yates was the baby face. Yeah. And, uh, and I asked, I asked, a, I asked Tojo, I said, uh, do you want me to be the good guy or do you want him to be the bad guy? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what the termination, you know, what the, what the lingo was at the time. And he goes, no, 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 no. He goes, you be the heel. he be the baby face. I said, okay. So I was just listening to him the whole entire time. And, uh, and, and sure enough, we went out there and did exactly what he said and finished our match. And, uh, and I think actually the match was Darnell, I think, uh, no, I rolled Darnell up with my feet on the rope. 
and uh, that was it. And we go back into the locker room, and we don't know what we've done, but apparently we did better than everybody else that was on the card. Wow. And Tojo was, was, Tojo was, he was so proud at the fact that we went out there and didn't screw up, you know, because all we did was basic, all we did was basic wrestling. I mean, the wrestling that folks see today on today's television, I mean, they would, they would flip the channel, um, in the first, you know, two minutes compared to how wrestling was back wrestling back then you actually grabbed a hold. You know, mm-hmm. nobody grabs a hold. Nobody works a hold anymore. Nobody goes back to that hold anymore. Grab it's, a hold. It's high spot after. What's that? Say it. Say it, Wolfie. <laughs> Buddy Wayne. Buddy Wayne. Grab a hold. H O L T. Grab a hold. Golly, yeah. And I mean, and that's what we did, you know. And it, and I think that was kind of the beginning of the transformation of wrestling from the seventies to the eighties to the nineties and then beyond and what you see today. But you know, in the sixties and seventies, I mean, a guy might have a guy in a headlock for 45 minutes before they did anything. You know, I still enjoy going back like on YouTube and watching, um, I don't know if I want to say so much 70s because I'm an 80s kid, but 70s was good too if you if you really because you know the business, you know the art, and you watch it and see what they're yeah. doing. It's, it's very um, entertaining to me. It may not be to the to the normal person, I guess, but there was a, a match, sure. and I, I cannot remember, man, exactly who it was. I want to say like Blackjack Mulligan or somebody like that. It was him and somebody, and they worked a damn sleeper forever, man, and they came. <laughs> Like he'd throw him out of the ring to get him off of him, and then he'd put the sleeper on the floor. I mean, the people were just so with it, man. And and you, I know for sure, can relate to what I'm fixing to say is I've been in towns and been able to work Puerto Rico back in the early 90s and stuff like that, where the places were where they still kind of believed. And that atmosphere, and I get cold chills saying it right now, that atmosphere, yeah. and when they still kind of believe and you don't have to take the biggest bumps in the world to get a reaction when you can dictate what they're doing. I swear it's giving me cold chills right now when you can dictate everything, man, and, and have them pop for the least little shit is one of the best fucking feelings in the world. And, you know, we were talking about Ric Flair earlier, and, and I, I know I've told the listeners and I told Jimmy because we talked about uh, me being at Ric Flair's last match, and I was a producer, also a, a talent on the show. And I went out there and I watched Ric Flair's last match, quote unquote. Um, and I, I did so purposefully because I didn't want to sit in the back and watch it on the monitor. I went out into no, the crowd right. yeah. and I the match and i don't care what anybody says dude if you were in that building rick flair did not have to do a fucking thing his chops no everything he did looked bad but the people fucking popped for everything he did and i'm talking about his slow methodical chops that did not look crisp like they used to nobody gave a fuck it was rick flair right uh, he was telling his story out there and uh, dude, he, he might not have even made a smack when he hit him cause he was hitting him so light, but the crowd went woo every time oh, yeah. he hit it. And yeah. so it's just that, you know, that's what wrestling well, to me, um, yeah. with cable television, all that stuff, you're, you're working, you know, 
how, how educated were you before, you know, they go, there's hard cams on this side, hard cam. Who gives a fuck about hard cam? I, when I first got out there, I'm looking to the people. I, I want them to react. Yeah. To, to me, professional yeah. wrestling is a uh, crowd interactive event, but that has changed. Oh, it is. It is. Yes, you're exactly right. And if anybody thinks anything different, they're not, they have no idea what they're doing out there. I, I'll give you a great example. Um, when I, I had, I had two stints in Memphis, uh, Dutch Mantel hired me in one and Jerry Lawler hired me in the other. And my second stint, well, the Dutch and them hired me and I was there for a week and then WWF called me and said, Hey, uh, we need you full time. And of course I said, Dutch, as much as I love you and as much as I love being here in Memphis and working on my craft, I got to go make some money. (laughs) And then, uh, the second time. Uh, Jerry, I was, I was looking to try to, uh, I'd been some, I'd been enhancement talent at WWF and now I'm looking to try to find out who I am in this industry. And so I, uh, Jerry Lawler reached out to me and said, Hey, would you be interested in coming to Memphis and working with, uh, Brian Christopher? Yeah. And I said, I mean, for me, it was like, it was like a dream come true because Brian was very, very young in his career. Yeah. I was still very young in my career and I'm trying to, uh, get to that next plateau of, you know, where I felt like I needed to be in my career at that point. And so I got there and the first day that I'm there, I found out pretty quick. I don't like Brian Christopher, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're sitting back there in the back and I'm going, Who's this loudmouth punk? I wanted to beat him up in the locker room first day I was there, and then, uh, but but you know, uh, Brian and I uh, actually became pretty good friends uh, through our uh, business relationship, and it was I'm there to work with Brian, and and so Brian and I we had a couple of matches just to kind of fill each other out to see what he could do. And I'm sure he's sizing me up to see what I could do. And we realized pretty quick that, you know what, we've got some pretty good chemistry here. And so Brian and I kind of was the, you know, sometimes on cards, you have guys that are, that are your curtain jerkers. And I say that not with any derogatory um, or, or, or ill malice in my right. heart. I mean, those are, those are some of the most important guys on the whole entire car. They're going to yeah. set the tone for the rest of the night. I was just for those that are listening. That, that, that sets the stage, man. That sets the stage for yeah. the whole night, man, especially, yeah. um, and, and uh, I'm, I'm about to say a name that I'm really super not fond of him, but, um, Mike Porter, um, you know, he, he gave me some bookings early on and stuff like that. And I remember, uh, it was, you know, and I'm saying this because on indie shows, especially, you know, you go to these towns that haven't had wrestling in them forever, or maybe they have had wrestling and it's a bad taste in their mouth, whatever. So that first match is super important and me. And I think it was Rick Reynolds, um, that went out there and we had a good match and I come back and I, I'll never forget Mike Porter goes, I was pleasantly surprised as if I was supposed to be the shit before I went out there because I was a 16 year old kid that he probably wanted to put his finger in my butt or something. But, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, at any rate, uh, <laughs> at, at any rate, yes. The, the first match is 
curtain jerker. I've been that a hundred bazillion times, man. And you work your way up from that. And and it is a very important match. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, so we, Brian and I, we, we go out there and we're working and we're kind of just throwing each other out and, you know, what can he do? Or what, well, at least what, what do I trust him to do? What does he trust me to do? Yeah. But I mean, so finally I feel like we're starting to hit a groove. I mean, yeah. we're okay. We've had about, you know, six or seven matches under our belts. And, you know, I, I went to Brian one night and I said, Brian, I said, um, you know, I'm enjoying our matches. I says, we work extremely hard out there. And Brian and I, and you know this too, Wolfie, there's always a match on the card that has to carry a bulk of the workload on yeah. the card. Yeah. And Brian and Brian would try to go an hour every night. They told us, yeah. you, know, ah, you know, try to go about 20 minutes. Brian, you know, with, with his dad's, you know, blessing, yeah, he and I would go about 45, 50 minutes some nights, you know, and yeah. that way the main event match, whether it was, you know, Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee or Jerry Lawler and Dutch Mantel would only have to go about 12 or 15 and, yeah, you know, out the door they go. And right. so, uh, you know, at first I was, I didn't quite understanding that. And then I thought, well, I'm, I'm here to get better anyway. So the longer we're out there, the better. Yeah. And so then finally one night I go to Lawler and I said, uh, I said, King, I said, I can, let me, let me, let me, let me ask you a question. And, and there's a lot of people in our industry that have different opinions of Jerry Lawler, but yeah. I'm, I'm going to say this. I, 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 I highly respect Jerry yeah. Lawler uh, during my time in Memphis. I highly respect his input. I think he's one of the smartest guys, one of the most creative guys in our entire industry. Oh yeah, and yeah. he and he always treated me fair and respectful. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't, and I probably haven't talked to him in thirty years. Yeah, but I still feel that way about him. I was yeah. very, uh, you know, and so I said, I said, can you ask, well, let me ask you a question here. I said, you and Bill go out there. And and I said, I'm going to be as blunt as I possibly can. I says, you guys don't do near the stuff Brian and I do. Mm-hmm. But yet, I you know, I, I stand in the arena and I listen to the pop that you get. And I listen to the pop that Bill gets. And that is, and I says, and Brian and I, we don't come close to that. What are we doing wrong? Mm-hmm. And he just said, he goes, you're not doing anything wrong. He goes, you're just not over yet. Yeah. And you're just something, just something that simple. And he goes, yeah. keep doing what you're doing. He goes, you are building what I was working on 20 years ago. Right. right. And he goes, at some point you will get to this point, but you've got to put it in right now. You've got to build, he goes, you are building your legend right now. Yeah. And I just thought, man, this guy has got, got figured out, you know? Yeah. He's, uh, 
Dude, and, and, I'll and tell you, we, we had him on here. Um, I, yeah. I actually had him come to my car lot that I was working at up here. <laughs> the owner had a plane. I went and picked him up in Memphis uh, last year. Flew down there, picked him up. He was like <laughs> so impressed that Wolfie D flew down and picked him up in a private <laughs> plane and shit. But, uh, man, Lawler is absolutely one of the best. In You know, people say Ric Flair, blah, blah, blah. Man. Jerry Lawler, to me, is better than Ric Flair. I said it, uh, you know, fight me, whatever. Ric Flair, you, you, and I, God, I feel sacrilegious saying this, but, I mean, you, pretty much you, you, you've you, seen one Ric Flair match, you kind of seen them all, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You've seen yeah, one yeah, Jerry yeah. Lawler match, you have not seen them all, because he does and something, he, he is a master of ring psychology, man, on the fly, yeah. blah, blah, blah. He is so good, and me and Jimmy have talked about this. We had a we have a series called Top Ten. We did top ten best punches. Uh, both of our list, Jerry Lawler was the number one puncher in the wrestling business. I mean, you cannot oh, yeah. say about that dude, man. He's incredible. Yeah. I was I was working him one time and I had him in the corner and I punched him. And he hit me in the side and it made the biggest pop and sound. Yeah, and I yeah. looked after I'd hit him, I stopped to look at my fist. I was like, Did my fist just do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He does I have told Jimmy this. He did that thing where when you punch him, he slaps you in the uh side. And you know, yeah. There's a you know huge I don't know if it's called controversy or not, but it's stupid as fuck. Is uh, all these guys today they throw the slap on every fucking move they do. I I, I ribbingly <laughs> told Jimmy I said we're gonna see somebody do a spit spot and they're gonna slap their leg when they spit. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they yeah. But they slap on everything. But Lawler. He doesn't slap on any of his offensive moves. No. He was the first one that would fucking slap you on your move to make your move get better. Yeah. And that's what I was always yeah. taught was I'm out there to make my opponent look good. Yeah. I think yeah. there's been a separation in that as the guys today, they're out there to make themselves look good and do not care what the other guy looks like or even his well-being, as we can tell by some of these good God awful moves that they're doing that almost <laughs> kills each other. But yeah. uh, you know, it, it's it's go out there and make your opponent look good, man. Let's take a quick time out and get a word from one of my dope ass sponsors, and we'll be right back with more live and in color with Wolfie D. <laughs> Hey folks, this is Wolfie D here. And if you are looking to buy or sell a home in Tennessee or Southern Kentucky, you're gonna wanna call my buddy, the rock star realtor, Benji Bowie. And you say, Wolfie, how do I get in touch with this rock star? Well, you can call him directly at 615-390-8216. You can go to his website, BowieHomes.com. That's B-U-I-E Homes.com. Or you can email him at BenBowie34 at gmail.com. When you need a home, you need the Rockstar Realtor. Benji is a member of Exit Realty's Garden Gate team in Gallatin, Tennessee. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne. 
Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Jade Roper, the Southern Closer, is here for you if you're looking to buy a home and need the best deal on a mortgage loan. Now, while Jade's heart and soul is helping that first-time home buyer, it doesn't matter if it's your first, second, or the dream home you've always wanted. She is there to help. Jade knows the area, the market, and she's invested in your community. She'd love to help you with all your home financing needs and will make it as easy as possible. All this makes her the official mortgage lender of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Contact her today at 615-681-4282. Email at jroper at primerez.com or just visit the southerncloser.com. NMLS 1794506. Licensed in Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Powered by PRMI, NMLS 3094. PRMI is an equal housing lender. I used to always, man, it, it, you, you might remember working with me or something at, where, especially a heat spot, I'm going to come up with something good for you to do to me that I can take a good bump for or just a, a crazy spot or something like that that's going to start the heat. I, 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 yeah, I go out there and I think about, okay, what can I do for myself? But I'm also at the same time, what can I do to make this motherfucker like he's, like he's going to kill me, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. Oh golly, yeah! I remember once I was I was at WCW TV. I'm working with Bobby Eaton, uh-huh. and I know I'm I'm in, I'm the enhancement guy, and that's good, well, and fine. But if I'm going to be that guy, I want to be the best best of it that I possibly exactly. can. Exactly, exactly. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm getting paid to do a job, and I'm getting paid, and I'm getting paid very well, and I'm wanting to not only you know, make the guy that I'm working with, uh, look like a $10 million, but yeah. you know, guess what? What is going to get around it? Hey, that Reno guy, he, he's pretty good. He's a pretty good little worker. You know, he's not, yeah. He's and not enjoyable he's not to there. work with, enjoyable to work with that, that will get you, you so far. Uh, yeah. you know, Hey dude, I love working with Reno, man. He, he makes you look fucking like a million bucks. Boom, boom, boom. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's lost, man. That's lost. Oh, yeah. Everybody, I mean, it's it's a me, 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 me. And my thing is, if I make that guy across the ring from me look like ten million dollars, mm-hmm. how's that going to make me look? You exactly. Know? Gonna, and there's a difference too between going out there and getting squashed and going out there and being a carpenter and and showing the other the C word. The C uh, word. <laughs> oh, I use the C I word. I told Jimmy. I cannot stand. I cannot stand <laughs> that fucking term because it, it, it is a compliment, and, and I've had it said yeah. to me before. You're a good hand. You're a carpenter. This and that. But fuck, I hate it, man. <laughs> oh yeah, no. I, I, as a matter of fact, I saw Tony Fox this weekend, and Tony used the word. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> that's what made me think of it. But, uh, but, but so so I'm I'm one night I'm down in WCW and and then this right here I thought at the point at this point at this point in my career um, was probably one of the biggest compliments that I could have gotten. So I show up, I walk in, I put my gear down, 
and I'm getting ready to say hello to a couple of folks and, you know, just do what you do in the locker room. You know, you just hang out or whatever. And Bobby Eaton comes to me. He goes, Reno, he goes, um, have they told you who you're working with tonight? Hmm. And I said, um, no, I said, I, I don't believe they've, they've posted anything yet. He goes, hold on one minute. <clears throat> he leaves, comes back. And he goes, you're working with me on the second hour. We're going to go about 12 minutes. Oh, and That's I awesome. knew, I knew right then and there that what I'm doing, you know, is, is, is propelling me in the right direction of where I'm hoping to go. Yeah. And so, uh, and then, you know, a few a month or two later, I'm at, I'm at the WWF kind of the same thing. I walk in, sit my bag down, Kurt Henning comes finds me. He goes, Rena, who are you working with tonight? I said, I don't know. He goes, let me see if I can take care of that. Yeah, he comes yeah. back. He goes, he goes, you're working with me. And nice. so guys, guys that had some talent, I'd like to say, and, and there's a lot of guys in this. I mean, everybody is talented to some level and, yeah. and their talent may be on the microphone. It might be by them looking like $12 million, their bodies, yeah. you know, yeah. But the guys, what I, what I like to lend myself to was guys that were athletically could get in the ring and have a look like a competitive wrestling match. Right. And those those were the guys that I wanted to work with. And although I love the Road Warriors, they, they were they were good friends of mine. Yeah. Although I love them, uh, I, I'm not going to have the same match with those guys as I'm going to have with Owen Hart. Right. I'm not going to have the same kind of match with Razor Ramon as I'm going to have with one, two, three kid or Shawn Michaels or, you know, Bret Hart or those types of guys. And so I, I found myself later on finding myself being in matches with guys that were maybe more along the athletic wrestling side of things yeah. and not, you know, earthquake and no disrespect. I don't mean any disrespect. No, I know when exactly. I say, them, but it's it's a different type of match that you have to go out and perform in. It's a different type of match that you have to set up, and being able to go out and work with guys that were you know Dynamite Kid, you know Randy Savage, mm-hmm. the, the man that I loved. I loved working with guys like that because I knew it was going to be kind of in the art of wrestling that I was trained in. Right. You know, I, I was trained to be a wrestler. Um, not, I'm, you know, and me not being, you know, six foot five and, and 300 pounds, you know, I, I kind of realized at some point in my career, Hey, this is, this is what I'm going to be doing, you know? And, and, and you know what? If, That's if, if, like yeah. timing is everything. We know that, um, yeah. you were in the era of the giants and yes, and, I was. And, and, and unfortunately, and then and I'm not saying this, obviously not to knock you or anything, but you're not, you're not the tallest dude in the world. And so no, you, no, no. you yeah. were always jacked, you were always jacked, but, but shorter than, than uh, God, all those guys back then. I even fucking 95 when me and Jamie went up and worked the smoking guns. I look at that now and I uh, dude, I'm six one. I mean, and, and then I was probably, I don't know, 220, 225, uh, but I looked like a midget. <laughs> you know, compared to Mark <laughs> Gun, Gun, you know, and and, and yeah, you, yeah, uh, were in the eighties when it was even worse. <laughs> it was oh, just golly, almost- yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I tell you, I'm glad you mentioned the smoking guns because I remember when they first got there, and uh, Billy and Bart, and 
uh, they put me and Horowitz with them for about a month. Who's better? So you we're were, making the, who's better? Let's, let's stop that? it. Because I was going to ask this question because I mentioned yeah, Barry. Right earlier. I know Barry and you know Barry and we, yeah. Who's better? You or Barry? <laughs> oh, me by far. I okay. mean, yeah. golly, that's that not even you. close. Although, although he calls himself Mr. Technical, I was, I was Mr. I was Mr. Everything. You know, yeah. of course, of course, you got Paul Orndorff, Mister Wonderful, Barry's yeah. Mister Technical. I was yeah. Mister Could Do It All. So uh, I think Mister Could Do It All was 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 over all of that. I love that. That's awesome. I love that. I can, I can tell you, man. Back in the when I was a kid, man, I, you know, he was uh, Stretcher Jack Hart in Memphis or whatever. Oh God, hey, and I remember then, that. Yeah, yeah, and then I went to uh, a WWF show at the municipal and you know that little spot where you can see everybody come through you go down the little ramp and you still you can oh see the, yeah can't get down there but you can see the back and so he's coming back from the ring and i'm like you know i was smart mark before there was a term and uh <laughs> sure. i was like hey stretcher jack hart <laughs> he turns around he looks at me ah. like, that's not my name punk <laughs> <laughs> that was his that was his electric comeback that's not my name punk sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm awesome. I'm I'm gonna tell you this story right here, Wolfie. I don't know if you've ever heard this one or not. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it, it, this is the story how I got to the WWF. Okay. Uh, I was I was wrestling I was wrestling in all these little podunk places, um, you know, uh, Springfield, Columbia, you know, Indiana, yeah, Kentucky, any any place that would book you. You know, you're you're trying to. Right. Get your name out there, and you're going with you know everywhere. It seemed like the other day. I remember uh, uh, Reno Riggins on a card with Airwolf. You know, <laughs> I, I mean that, that that right that right there doesn't seem too too far long ago for me. Yeah, but it uh, was <laughs> so. So I I was working at the shop with my dad that day, and I said, "Hey, WWF's coming to town. I want to leave a little early." So I can go down and I want to talk to Vince McMahon about getting a job. And I'd been wrestling probably for about a year on kind of the independent circuit at that point. Yeah. And, um, he said, yeah, go knock you, you know, you know, do whatever you're going to do. You know, my, my dad was never, um, too excited about it uh, up, up till when he saw me on TV and then he got really excited. About it. <laughs> but so then, uh, so I, I, I had uh, been working at the shop all day. And I go home, I took a shower, and I put on a coat and tie. Because I don't know what it is about when people put on a coat and tie, they look they look official, or, right. le- or at least they look authentic, right? <laughs> I put on a coat and tie, and I walk, and I walk to, the, to that back door that you just talked about, about the municipal auditorium here in Nashville, yeah. Tennessee. And I go to that back door, and you know I see all the wrestlers walking through there. So here I go. I'm just strutting myself on through there. And the guy stops me. And he says, can I help you? And I go, yeah, I got an appointment with Vince McMahon about, about getting a job here. <laughs> and he goes, uh, and the guy runs me off. He goes, no, nah, kid, you ain't getting in here. You don't know what the hell you're doing, right? <laughs> so, so, so they run me off. And uh, so I, I go back, and I'm sitting in my car, and I'm, I'm, sitting, I'm sitting in my truck, and I'm just mad as can be that, you know, I got to know what he's talking about. Well, apparently, we had had a FedEx delivery to our shop that day. It was a little box. And I thought, Okay, so I grabbed the box, and I already gotten the contents out of the box, and I thought, well, if I hold the box this way, it still looks like it's kind of sealed up. So I take the box, and I go to a different door. 
<laughs> and I get to the door and I'm banging, I'm banging on the door and this, this, you know, security guy comes, he goes, can I help you? I said, yeah, I got a FedEx delivery for Vince McMahon. And the guy goes, he goes, he goes, well, give it to me and I'll give it to him. I go, no, 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 no. He's got to sign for it. I got to see him get it. And the guy looks at me, here I am in a suit and <laughs> holding a box. And the guy goes, okay, come on in. <laughs> so, awesome. so I go in. I go in there and I ditch the box and I'm looking for Vince McMahon, right? I mean, here I am. I'm, I'm, here's the thing. Sometimes it's good to not know you're ignorant or stupid. <laughs> you just, you just rolled with it, right? So I'm standing back there and, and finally, uh, this guy comes up to me and he says, can I help you, sir? I said, yeah, I'm here to talk to Vince McMahon about getting a job. He goes, well, what do you do? Well, I was insulted. I go, I'm a wrestler. <laughs> you know, right? And so I'm, I'm hot. I'm a guy hot, you know? And so I'm looking at this guy and I said, I'm a wrestler. And he goes, really? He goes, well, how long have you been wrestling? I said, I've been wrestling two years. Although I'd only been wrestling a year, you know? <laughs> right. I said, I've been wrestling two years, you know? He goes, well, who trained you? And I said, Tojo Yamamoto. Well, see, because the guy was, I could, you know, kind of out of the corner of my eye, see security coming to usher me out, right? <laughs> and and uh, so here comes security. And when I said Tojo Yamamoto, I could see the guy hold his hand up. He goes, really? He uh, goes, well, Tojo and I, he goes, Tojo and I used to be roommates in Canada back in the 60s. Wow. He goes, so who was that tell you what, kid, Terry Garvin. Oh, okay. he was the vice president. He was the vice president of Titan sports at the time. Right. Oh, yeah. So, and so he goes, uh, kid, can you be in Bristol, Tennessee tomorrow night? I said, yes, sir. I can. And so bam, I go home. I'm as happy as can be. I'm packing my stuff up. And I told my mom, I said, I'm going to Bristol. I'm wrestling for WWF. Of course, she thought I've done lost my mind. She goes, <laughs> you mean the wrestling company that's on TV? I said, yeah, that one. And so, bam, I get in the car and I, and I call my best friend, Chip Carroll. And, of course, Chip, he didn't have a job. He, I said, hey, drive us to, to Bristol, you know. And I said, are you in or not? He goes, yeah, I'm in. Let's go. So here we go. You know, so we go to Bristol, Tennessee. And uh, I wrestle at Viking Hall in Bristol, oh, yeah. Tennessee. Yeah, you, my, I mean, you've worked there before, right? I don't know. I don't, that doesn't sound familiar. Maybe not. Uh, you, my, you probably worked there for Smoky Arena. Mountain. Or, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I get there, and they tell me, they said, okay, uh, let me take you and introduce you to your opponent, you know, or to, you know, to the person you're going to be working with. And it is Ray Hernandez, Hercules Hernandez. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm probably about 225, and I'm, I'm feeling like I'm in pretty good shape. Yeah. And then this specimen walks in, and he walks <laughs> in with Bobby the Brain Heenan. So two <laughs> nights ago, I'm watching television on USA main, you know, USA Prime, and here right. these guys are, and now here they are, two feet in front of me. They're telling me I'm going to get in the ring with him. And let me tell you, he was the nicest guy in the world. Dude, I'll tell you, I loved WrestleMania three Hercules versus Billy Jack was one of my favorite matches as a child. I love that. Oh, golly. Yeah. Golly. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I mean, he was a sweetheart of a guy. I mean, he was, he was the real deal. And so, you know, they're telling me what all we're going to do. You know, you're going to go down. 
So I get out there, right? And I'm standing there in the middle of the ring. And I mean, it was the most people I'd ever been in front of in my whole entire life. Yeah. And and I know Wolfie, Wolfie probably can, 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 can testify to this. But when you first start wrestling, and if you're wearing wrestling trunks or a singlet or whatever you're wearing, you feel naked in front of everybody when you first start wrestling. I felt so naked. I'm wearing some trunks. You yeah. know, and I just feel naked. <laughs> and so, so, so all of a sudden here he comes down the aisle. This was before you had music and all the big jumbotron intros and stuff like yeah. that. But I mean, it was, it was electric for that time. So yeah. he comes walking out from behind that curtain and he's got these chains around his neck and I, he's probably six three, two eighty five, and there's not a gram of fat on his body. I and his like muscles and veins are just pumping, and they're, they're, the, 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 the blood is, is going through his veins, and sweat's <laughs> glistening off his body. And he's coming down there, foam's coming out of his mouth, and he's got Bobby the Brain Heenan by his side. And yeah. I thought, I have made the absolute biggest mistake of my life. <laughs> and he gets in there, and let me tell you, I was scared to death. And we, so we locked up. So I mean, <laughs> I had no choice. I, had to, I couldn't back out at this point, right? So I got to go through with it, right? So we lock up, and I mean, he proceeds to absolutely beat the living snot out of me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he shot me in and gave me a clothesline. I mean, I played Division One uh, college football, and I've never been hit that hard in my life. And and so. So, so we, I mean, he hit me and I, my head hit the canvas and I'm seeing stars and I'm goofy and we get to the back and I felt like I had been absolutely violated. I mean, I just felt, I just, I just like, I've made the biggest mistake of my life. So I'm sitting back there just shook, you know, I mean, I am shook and he comes up to me, his brother, you okay? I said, oh, yes, sir. I'm fine. I'm fine. And Bobby Heaton comes up to me and he goes, kid, if you can take that kind of beating, they've got to hire you. <laughs> and, and sure enough, so Terry Garvin came up. He goes, well, you survived that. Can you come to Winston-Salem tomorrow night? And I was like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Although at that point, I wanted to just get in the car and drive all the way home and said, heck with this, you know. And, <laughs> it, uh, but some, isn't but, it funny, but the, man, how, how we go out there and we literally, I mean, I've been in matches the same way where I just felt like, God, I've been in easier street fights. And then you come back to the back and you shake the guy's hand and thank him for beating the fuck out of Yeah. I'm sitting there shaking this guy's hand for just, just. Give me a concussion. Yeah. And, uh, hey, man, I really appreciate is. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah thank, you, thank you very much. Thank you very much for not decapitating me while I'm out there. <laughs> oh, my God. You're exactly right, Wolfie. I mean, that is the craziest thing. We are, we are absolutely, you know, at the end of our lives on our tombstones, it yeah. needs to read. Should have been checked for middle disarrangement or yeah. or middle disorders or whatever. It, think about it. Should we be called tough or should we be called crazy? Yeah, <laughs> or yeah. both. There's a fine a there's a fine line between the two. <laughs> and so so the, the next night I go to Winston Salem, I wrestle a guy called Outlaw Ron Bass. He's yeah. six three, three thirty, big rough and tough Texan. And I mean, he was like an absolute feather. 
Yeah. I did not feel a thing. And as he's pinning me, he, uh, he, he he's pinning me and, and he, you know, leans over and he says, welcome to the family and oh. bang. And next thing I know, I go back <laughs> to the back. The guy says, I'll send you a booking sheet in two weeks and you're going to be on the road for the next three months. That's and awesome. I was like, I was like, brother. Brother. And so and then, then and there there I went from that. Well, so then I go to St. Louis. So the first place they booked me in was Springfield, Illinois. I fly into St. Louis. Okay. Now if we're running on time there when I was a kid. Off, but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so they fly me to St. Louis and they tell me to get a rent a car. I'm mm. twenty years old. Yeah. You gotta be twenty five to get a rental car. <laughs> right. So I land there. I go to the rent. A, I go, I've never rented a car before in my life. Yeah. You know, I go to the rent a car counter. Hey, I'm here to get a car. You know, all right, let me see your driver's license. I give him the driver. We can't rent you a car. Holy <laughs> mackerel. My first day on the job and I'm going to get fired, you know? So yeah. I call the, I call the WWF office, 203-352-8606. I feel <laughs> know the number. Right. And so I call them up and I said, uh, Hey, they won't rent me a car. I'm a nervous wreck down here. What do I do? Da 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 this, da da da. Unfortunately, Who'd I can't remember her name. Miss Russo was Miss Russo there then? No, 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 no. Anne, Anne Russo. Yeah, Anne Russo was her yeah. name. Yes. Oh married my God! To, yeah. Mar- married to Dan Spivey now. Uh, when I was in really? Tampa. A few a few years back, yep. A few years back, I I lived in Tampa for about a year. Uh, me and Dan became good friends, and I had always dealt with Ann when I worked for WWF, and then I got to meet her. Then, and like I said, they are they are married and live in Tampa, Florida. Yep. Wow. She was she was absolute a. I never met her, never seen her. I yeah. only got to talk with her on the phone, yeah. and she was absolutely awesome. Yeah. Uh, in my dealings with her, I loved yeah. her, loved her. Yeah. So yeah. she said, well, look, she said, she said, go to gate 16. There's Ron Garvin and Terry Taylor going to be coming off. She goes, do you know them? I says, ma'am, I've never met them before, but I do know who they are. She says, go to them, tell them who you are and see if you can you know, ride to the building with them. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I said, yes, ma'am, I will. So I go, Ron Garvin's coming off the plane, right? I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's coming off and stuff. And I said, uh, uh, Hey, Mr. Garvin. And he's thinking I'm a fan. He thinks I'm a big Mark and I'm wanting to, uh, and he's going to, and I'm going to sign an autograph. He's going to, he's going to sign me an autograph and Terry Taylor. I said, Mr. Taylor, Mr. Garvin. And I'm trying to proceed to tell them who I am. And they're like, what do you want me to sign kid? Hurry up. What is it? You know, da, 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 da. And I said, I need a ride. And they were looking at me like, go get a cab. I go, no, no, no. I'm on tonight's card with you guys. <laughs> and then finally I convinced them and they said, so, so, so Garvin looks at me and Taylor's looking at me, which I love both of those guys. Yeah. And they said, uh, do you have a valid driver's license? I said, mm-hmm. yes, sir. I do. And, and, and Garvin looked at Taylor and he goes, I found our next driver for the next six months. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so I drove awesome. them. I drove them from town to town. I mean, it was, yeah. Like for three or four months, I'm driving. I mean, that was that was the trio right there. You oh, know, I'm driving them around. Dues. That's paying your dues. Yeah, I'm paying my dues. And 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 they're they're as soon as the town was over with, you know, they're they done popped open a six pack, yeah. and they're about you know four or five deep in it. And I'm just you know I'm driving, you know, hey, and I'm listening to them talk, 
And that's how I learned a lot of the wrestling business, what to do, what not to do, what to say, what not to say, who to hang around with, who not to hang around with. Yeah. You know what? And I go back and I think about some of that stuff and some of the people that I rode with and hung out with and yeah, we talked and stuff, but man, I was horrible at getting to know people and picking people's brains. I was terrible at that. And and not that I, I couldn't have done it. It's just, I didn't know to, and I was too busy having fun. If that makes sense. That's no, no. Yeah. That's really what I was, man. I could have done this business so much differently. Had I had a little, uh, more mentoring or had someone that instead of saying, Hey, pussy, drink his beer. If I had somebody <laughs> saying, uh, hey, don't do that, man. Don't do that. Don't do this. And this is what you should do because you have talent. I wish I would have had that person uh, in well, my I, career. I think, I yeah, no, I, I, I think Ryan Garvin and Terry Taylor, they wanted a safe ride. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so they were, you know, they were drinking, but I wasn't allowed to. Exactly. And, the thing exactly. was, and the thing was, well, you're not old enough. We're not going to get in trouble for you. And I was like, oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, I was... <laughs> but, so, uh, oh, my goodness. Let me ask you this, man. So, uh, yeah. I'm going to throw this in here, too, because uh, if I don't say something, I forget. So, the what was the name of that gimmick that you had, that hooded thing that was red, black, and yellow? What was the name of that? Oh, my goodness. Boy, you are just uh, you're, you're you're getting deep in the well. I'm in the history I got, I got here. to follow up with this. What was the name for that thing? Do you remember? The name was. If I can say it right. I, a friend of mine told me because he spoke <laughs> Japanese. Yeah, he said, "Hino Natenshi meant like inferno or okay. something of that name." Okay, and Hino Natenshi, and I said, "Let's throw a Lee on it because there's got to be a Lee in there somewhere, right?" <laughs> and, so, and so, so that was the the gimmick, and I, I tried to, uh, you know, sell that idea to Vince and yeah, and a few other companies at the time, but. I couldn't get any takers on it. I thought it was a pretty neat little thing, though, myself. Well, I liked it, and I've always, uh, you know me, I love gimmicks, man. There, there, there yeah. would have been no PG-13. There would have been no Slash. Anything I've ever done is a gimmick because um, I love yeah. that shit. But I will tell you this, and here's a little fun fact. That gimmick, okay. that you and Jimmy, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but he had a black bodysuit, and it had yellow and red uh friend and orange friend yeah like like fire like hair all over it and stuff in different places but not all over it but at any rate when i came up with the cyberpunks gimmick that was a major influence because i had if you'll recall reno and i know jimmy knows what the what the gimmick looked like but i had black or i had it was a black suit with yellow and red uh, fringe on it and and that yep. I kind of got that idea from your gimmick, so I did steal something from. Okay, you. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad it inspired you. You know, I'm, yeah, you know, because yeah, I was I was in Mexico City, uh, me and Jamie, and uh, I drew 
those gimmicks up fire and ice and that was in my head i just i really loved the way that uh that that thing you had inferno i loved the way it looked and that was kind of a a thought in my head as i was designing the cyberpunk outfit so there's fun fact for everybody yeah yeah a little little, little fun fact there a little fun fact <laughs> well here's another fun fact so you also taught me some things reno so about I, a little over 10 years ago, you and I and Wolfie D were all working together in Millersville. Now, I had worked for Mike Porter because there's been so many different segues. First of all, I'm from really close to Bristol, Tennessee, Virginia. So Viking Hall was my first arena to see concerts and wrestling and all that. But We'll get past that. So then my next <laughs> is we were all together back in the in the locker room at Saw. And I walked in there and I'd just been working for Mike Porter and and you had come from your Showtime All-Star. And now you were working at TJ Southern All-Star. And I don't know the blend there, and we can talk about that another time. But when it came down to it, I saw on the back wall, I saw Bobby Eaton, who I had actually worked with a few times in Virginia, and I got to know him kind of well and then you are sitting there reno and then wolfie and i was like holy crap this is real i've been working the two dollar hot dog night in the middle of gallatin pike of nashville and now i'm working the big time look at all these dudes i said okay so i, saw, I knew bobby so i went to bobby first because i knew bobby's gonna jump up and hug you if he knows you you know and bobby jumps up and hugs me and I remember Mike Searcy is sitting there once again, rest in peace. And, you know, then you look at me and you see that Bobby had treated me with some kind of, and you kind of look at Wolfie and Wolfie looks at you and you guys make this, and I, you would never remember <laughs> this, but you guys, okay, he can't be that bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I tell you what, I tell you what. If, if Bobby gives you the seal of approval, then you're good with me. Yeah, <laughs> right. so, and, yeah. and you can tell that in your faces. I tell that story a lot. Now, another story I tell about you, Reno, is this. So we all know the, you know, in Showtime All-Star Wrestling, one of the greatest managers that you ever had was Paul Adams. Again, rest in peace. You know, we've lost yeah, so many yeah. great people. You, yeah. <laughs> I'm managing Jeremiah and Drew Haskins. And yeah. I always, I always wore colors with them. So if they were wearing red, I would wear red in yeah. like with my tie or with my shirt or whatever. Yeah. It was hot. It was massively hot in Millersville as everybody knows. It was oh, mad. Yeah. It was probably in yeah. August. Yeah. yeah. And I am thinking, okay, Paul Adams didn't wear a jacket. Okay, it's really hot. I have a vest on. Okay. I'm, I'm in a suit. I recall you telling me this, Jimmy. Yeah. I have a suit on, but I'm going to take the jacket off. I'm going to act like I forgot it. Okay. <laughs> and so we go out there. We do our thing. I'm wearing my suit without a jacket, got the vest, got the pants, all good, but the jacket was missing. So I come to the back and I, I came to you, Reno, and I said, okay, what did you think? I did some kind of spot you told me to do. And you were like, I don't know. I couldn't see past the fact that you weren't wearing your freaking jacket. You went. He didn't say freaking. No, he didn't say that. I'm. I, well, he didn't I, say freaking. He, he said fucking. Didn't he? <laughs> I'm just saying this. I'm just saying this. <laughs> he gave me. A, he cut a promo on me. And then you. And what's funny is you. You brought that story up about you getting to WWF. Snuck in with a jacket and a tie, and I'm like, oh man, this. <laughs> This is a thing for Reno. This is a thing for Reno. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my goodness. 
And, and I was thinking, man, I, I remember asking Jeremiah, I was like, man, Paul Adams is one of the best in the region. And he never wear, he wears a shirt and a tie, but he's like, that's Paul Adams, man. You know, yeah, yeah. you know, Paul Adams that's already does that, you know, <laughs> I remember waking well, up one me... morning at my apartment in downtown Nashville to a passed out Paul Adams in my bathtub. <laughs> that's my Paul Adams story. That's funny. Was, uh, that, was, that, was that one of the nights that we had wrestling down at Buffalo Billiards down on oh, 2nd Avenue in Nashville? You better, you better believe it because I lived on 5th. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah. uh, let me ask you this. Was, was there a guy named Billy West, <laughs> Billy West Nashville involved in that? Uh, Billy uh, Nashville. That sounds familiar. I cannot, I cannot place it. Oh, yeah. Well, I can't think we'll, of it. We'll, we'll There's some we'll, characters. We'll that, you you employed that. some characters on your ring crew and and things like oh, that. Yeah. There's a bunch of those we could talk about. They're great uh, guys. Though. Hey, let They're me let me tell them. you this. Let me tell you this. Let me. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you this real quick. <laughs> so, <laughs> so so the other night um, we had an event here in Nashville. Yeah. And I told you Wolfie earlier that I wouldn't touch upon it, but I'm I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna talk for you just right. for a minute. And, I mean, we had a very successful event at the Troubadour Theater in Nashville, Tennessee. Awesome. Sold it yep. out. I mean, it was kind of the, the Saul Returns, and we had a lot of familiar, old familiar faces. Uh, although although over the years, we, we've we lost, you know, quite a few friends and yeah. what I consider wrestling family members. We've lost Paul Adams. We lost uh, T.J. Weatherby, and we Steve. lost Mike Searcy. Uh, uh, Dan masters just, uh, last week. Yeah. And, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention those guys yeah. and to start the event the other night, I took a, uh, white towel and I oh, man, placed awesome. it on the, uh, top rope oh. of the, uh, uh, for, so when people walked in, you know, if, if you didn't know, all right, there's a white child. What does that mean? Right, right, right. But for those, but for those that knew, they knew what that white towel stood for and represented, right? That's nice, man. That's, that's very nice. You know, I, I just didn't know another way. And I actually, I I had sent Paul's mother a, a note just, uh, and I'd sent her cause I took some photos of it. And, uh, when you and I get off the phone, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, uh, send you a couple of those photos. Yeah. But, uh, I, I had the white towel on the rope and, uh, you know, through the years with, with any business that you have or run, there's going to be disagreements. There's going to be discrepancies. There's going to be folks that are on the team still pulling in the same direction. Although, personally they they just don't get along and yeah. uh, and and I'll just tell you this and I don't think it's no secret and I don't I don't say it to besmirch anybody but but Paul Adams um uh, didn't care for a, a couple of uh folks yeah. that were involved with the program and and that's fine yeah. uh and and probably the and probably the feeling was mutual right and right. and I will say you know and, and um so I'm out there letting the fans know about why the towel is out there and why, yeah. 
you know, what, what, what that represented and, and, you know, we, we, we love and miss Paul yeah. and, um, uh, Tim Thomason, who's a dear friend of mine, he came down to ringside and he says, can I have the microphone for a second? I said, sure. And he wanted to recognize, you know, TJ Weatherby, who's yeah. instrumental TJ. And I'll, I'll kind of let the fans in on this, or if, if people that don't know in on this, that uh, TJ had a building and uh, was running wrestling in Millersville, Tennessee. Wasn't yes. necessarily setting the woods on fire. And I, and I wanted to do a television show. I says, well, maybe one hand can, you know, wash the other if, if we right. can work together. Now, yeah. not, that, not that we always saw eye to eye or anything like that, but we knew if, if both of us were going to try to be successful, this is what we had to do. Yeah. So that, that's what we did. Right. And, uh, so, uh, and Paul Adams and TJ Weatherby did not like each other, period. Right. Paul, Paul's a brash New Yorker, yeah. TJ Weatherby, you know, <laughs> old Southern redneck kind of guy. Right. So they just, they just did not mesh. Right. Yeah. And Mike Cersei and Mike, do you remember Mike Cersei? Yes, I do. Oh yeah. Okay. So Mike, Mike Cersei is a great guy in my, my book. And, and, and Paul, once again, brash New Yorker clashed with, uh, a little bit, not as much, you know, they, they actually, you know, were, were okay with one another, but yeah. so, at, 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 you know, so, so, so I'm out there, you know, giving, giving, uh, respect to, to Paul and letting the fans know why this towel is there and what he stood for and this, that, and the other. So, uh, big Timmy comes down and says, can I have a microphone there? He goes, you know, we, we wouldn't be here tonight if it wasn't for TJ Weatherby, if it wasn't for Mike Searcy. And I'm standing there and I'm going, oh, and I'll turn around and look behind me. And there's a graphic up on the Jumbotron. And it's a picture of TJ Weatherby, Mike Searcy, and Ed Paul Adams. Three huh. guys that could not stand to sit together in the same room. <laughs> and I thought, what a, what a great rib this is for Paul Adams yeah. to, to be stuck uh-huh. on a graphic, you know, with two guys that he didn't absolutely care about. And I'm sure the feeling, and I'm sure the feeling was mutual on, on some respect, you know, and yeah. I just thought, you know, how ironic life is at times, you know? Yeah. And, and just the wrestling business in general, that's just, that's classic. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you're exactly, I mean, you're exactly right. The wrestling business in general is that way at times. Yeah. It is, uh, you know, it is, uh, uh how many times have wanna... you worked with somebody and I don't mean in the ring, I mean, just in the, in the business that you just couldn't stand or how many people have you been around? You just couldn't stand, but you did business, you know, <laughs> Sure. <laughs> you know, I yeah. tell you one of, the, one of the first lessons I learned one of the first lessons I learned by, from Tojo was you don't have to like somebody to do business with them. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, over the years, you know, Wolfie's been taught that as well. And pretty much any wrestler for the most part, if, if they hadn't been taught that, then they probably hadn't been properly trained. Well, they don't but, teach that anymore, I don't think. <laughs> There's a lot of things they don't teach anymore. Seriously. Oh, golly. You know, I, I, I haven't, you know, it's it's a whole different industry now than when you and I broke in. Brother, 
brother, and, you have no idea of, and, and Jimmy's heard this and the, and the people have heard this, but I'll tell you, man, when I went back and I did that Ric Flair thing as, as a talent and an agent. So I had a match that I wasn't in that involved a lot of young guys. This is a four way match. And then, and, and road dog even told me before I went to him, he goes, they're not going to listen to you. <laughs> not just because of, of me being me, just, they don't listen, you know, in general. And yeah. I gave and shit. And, uh, this one kid, uh, and I'll say to, to Gresham, uh, he got some heat for cussing out Tony Khan uh, a couple months ago. And this was right after that, right? So I got his match. And this dude, he's Jack, but I swear to God, he's like four foot tall, man. I was like, yeah. what the fuck? And so then there's these other kids, and I give them all this shit. And I'm like, hey, going into the finish, you'll do whatever you want. Here's what I need for the finish, who I need to go over. But leading up to that, check this out. And I give them this big schmage deal and this dude he fucking i said what do you guys think do you like do you guys like that and all of them except him they they nodded their heads like yeah and then this guy he's sitting there rubbing his hands together like fucking uh what's the guy on the simpsons mr fucking uh what's his name mr burns yes he was rubbing his hands together. <laughs> mr. yeah and uh he, he goes he goes um yeah, we'll take that into consideration. <laughs> I like, uh, and I just, I just said okay, and I walked away. And I went and told uh, <laughs> Brian Road Dog and his brother Scotty. I said, "This is what he said." They just started laughing. <laughs> so, it's totally different now, man. It's totally different. There's the respect was, factor like there is. I'm gonna tell you, you, you know, you kind of, you kind of get this feel if you. I don't know how much you keep up with with what's going on now and stuff like that. I don't much because of this podcast i have more but there yeah, is sure. a room between the young guys and the older guys and there never used well, to be that there never used to be that we no. always respected the guys that paved the way today's dudes yes. do not they do not well could you, I, I wonder how that would have worked out if that guy would have told steve doll that <laughs> yeah yeah Steve exactly Reno, here's the thing, man. Okay, so let's say this is 1992, and this guy tells me that, and I'd been in the business as long as I have now, okay, in 92, and this guy tells me that. I probably would have punched him in the face or something. <laughs> so if I would have done that at that show, I'd have been blackballed and, and you know, all over the internet. Wolfie D punches, sucker punches. You know what I'm saying? You can't beat people yeah. in the ring no more. You can't. And not that that's a, I'm not going to sit here and say that that's a great thing that we used to hurt each other, but we taught lessons. Uh, and, and I think that boils over into uh, just plain life these days. You're not allowed to teach a lesson to somebody or you go to jail. You know what I'm saying? This the whole world, well, is different, which makes the wrestling business different. I tell you what I hate about today's society that you might say something and offend somebody. Yeah. Back then, when we were in the locker room, you said something that offended somebody and they didn't like it, you just smacked the taste right out of their mouth. Exactly. And then, they're just going to go home with that. Right, yeah. right. You're not allowed to do that anymore, man. You're just not. And right. No, you're not, allowed to do, you're not allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> that's, no. that's kind you of know, But I mean, but, but back then, but back then, that that's how it was. I mean, I'm yeah. not saying anything to hurt anybody's feelings today because I wouldn't right. do that. Right. But back then, could you imagine walking in, hey, Gypsy Joe? No, I'm not doing that. We're going to do this. <laughs> right. Well, you might end up with a baseball bat, you know, just wrapped around your head. 
and <laughs> uh, wear it for a hat on the way home. You know, yeah. I mean, it just, it just, it just, it just, uh, it just didn't work. It just, I mean, it's, it's a whole different world we live in now. Oh, exactly. Yeah. exactly. I mean, Let me ask you this. I can say, unfortunately, but go ahead. I wanted to ask you this. Where did it, okay, I don't know if I want to say where or or when, but okay, so your, your wrestling career, and then, like in Nashville, you were prominent, man. Anytime you did anything, and I knew about it, I was like, I want to be on Reno show. Because I knew it wasn't going to be, and this is not a disrespect when I say this to a deceased person. It wasn't a Burt show, and I knew that. It was a Reno show, and I wanted to be on a Reno show. What what made you like just want to do that part of it? What made you want to do it? And 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 I will say this: every time you did it, you did it well, and I and I appreciated that. And and you always had me be a part of it, and I appreciate that too. But what where was the the like they say, light switch, light bulb, whatever. What happened? You said, you know what? I'm going to promote wrestling. You know what? I tell you, I've, I've here in the last, and I, one of our mutual good friends, Jason James, he and I had this conversation earlier today. Mm. So I, I tell you what, I'm glad you asked this question, mm-hmm. and I'm going to try to give the most brutal and honest answer that I can. I love it when it starts with brutal. It's going to be good. Yeah, brutal and honest. I had, uh, you know, you know, when we all first start out in this industry, we are just trying to get booked on anything, anything. Mm-hmm. And I had worked a few Mike Porter shows, and I'd worked some Burt shows, and whoever else that was running, because the Jarretts wouldn't book me at the time because. Which I don't blame them. I, heck, I was green behind the ears, and I didn't, you know, know what was going on or anything like that. I'm just, I'm just trying to learn. And why well, book that guy? I've got a hundred other guys I can book that's far yeah. better. But uh, so I started, you know, running shows actually early in my career because I thought I could, you know, just maybe. You know, break even or make a dollar because nobody else would book. <laughs> nobody else would book me. <laughs> and, and were you? If, correct me if I'm wrong. And this brings me back to the Inferno gimmick. But you, I think you and Dutch were kind of partners. Um, when I first broke into business, y'all were doing the like y'all would go to a, a high school or a middle school and have a little show during like their inner like during the day and then come back that night and do the actual show at the school. You and him were kind of oh, in cahoots on that, weren't brother. you? Yes, yes, yes. Dutch and I, I love Dutch. I love Dutch Mantel uh, with with unconditional love. He is. He, he helped me so much in my career, just kind of understand who you are and uh, where, where, where you might fit in this big picture, this big movie that is professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. And so we would do matinee wrestling shows right. uh, at middle schools to, to help, um, help the athletic departments at these schools. Right. The middle schools, they, they don't get a lot of love. And right. so Dutch, Dutch said, hey, look, if we go to these middle schools and tell them we can put on a wrestling show for them during fifth and sixth period of their school day, during yeah. the day, 
and each kid pays five bucks to get out of class, right? Then we might be able to pocket, you know, three or four hundred bucks a piece, you know. Yeah. And I'm listening to him because he's been around the block a thousand times more than I had. And I was like, well, I'm in, you know. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, that's what we did. That's exactly what we did. And we'd go to Dixon County High School, I mean, Dixon County Middle School. And we would, I was the big heel. Dutch wasn't necessarily wrestling at, the, at that time. And I, I worked a lot of those shows with Ben Jordan. Do, yeah. You uh, remember Ben Jordan? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so me and Ben would kind of, you know, give, give the kid, I mean, we, we, we would have like, like three matches, just three yep. matches. And, uh, me and Ben go out there and tear it, tear it down for 30 minutes. And, and I was the heel and I would, I would, you know, you know, Ben be getting the better of me. I'd get out of the ring and I've had enough of this. I'm leaving. And then yeah. doggone the doggone uh, football coach would grab me and, you know, run me back up to the ring and throw me back in. And those yeah, kids. Would, classic stuff I mean, that you do when you go to a, a, a school, you have the, the head coach be the referee or, or, mm, or some yes, of those. I remember yes, we did. Yeah. Uh, I think I might've even been working for you on one of those when we did a deal where you blindfolded the wrestler per se against the coach. I, and, and I can't remember, but yes, th- those kind of classic things where you incorporate the school, incorporate the coaches and, and get everybody yeah, involved. That's, that was my yeah, point yeah. in bringing that up. Cause it's, yeah. it's genius when you really think about it. Cause he was right. You go in there during the day, the kids are going to pay to get out of class and then oh, yeah. they're going to want to come see what the payoff is uh, later that night. And Hey, let's bring mom, let's bring dad, let's bring cousin Johnny, you know, and then you got a packed house for your show. It's, it's it's brilliant. Oh yeah, yeah, and we we did a lot of those, and especially at Dixon County at middle school because we helped raise some, you know pretty good amount of money for them. You know, me and Dutch did over the over the years, and like like it it was so successful that they called us back. And I think we did it for like three years in a row, and then they had the principal uh, uh, move on to another school and. Of course, different administration comes in and things change, you know, but that was a lot of fun. That was just a tremendous amount of fun. Let me ask you this, because that was that was before, let's say, the Attitude Era and everything. Did you run into, like, any, you know, the school system going, oh, no, 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 not professional wrestling. No, 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 no. We can't do that. You know, during that time, no. Yeah. Because, like I said, it was before the Attitude Era. And, you know, Vince, I was working for Vince and those guys. And I remember at one point, George Steele, George the Animal Steele, who's one of the road agents. Yeah. He came into the locker room and uh, we were getting ready to go on air in about an hour. And he said, hey, Reno, come here. He says, we're getting ready to change our direction. And he said, and he told me this too. He said, you know, we don't want to have any choking or any eye gouging or any nut shots or any of this, any of that, <laughs> that or this, that or that. And I go, well, I'm a heel. What am I supposed to do? He goes, right. brother, I don't, he goes, brother, I don't know, but figure it out. Because <laughs> USA Cable Network was actually putting some heat on 
vents to them yeah. about the content. Right. And I was like, well, I'm a heel. I, I pull hair, I choke, I, I gouge, I do this. I, I'm just like, well, what are we going to do? You know? Right. And, Reno, we can do this again. We can go on for hours. Uh, oh, please. Let's do it. I'm having a good time. I'm, I'm having a good time talking to you. Yeah, man. I, I love it. And man. Jimmy. And Jimmy. You, man. And we'll Thank get you, you on for like a watch along or something. Uh, yeah. We'll watch one of our matches and, and, and comment on it and stuff. We oh. do those. Brother, yeah, I'm in for that. But anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, I just want to say thank you once again to Reno for coming on. Um, a longtime friend, longtime mentor, um, just a great guy in general, man. Uh, I appreciate you coming on, Reno, coming come and talking to us. And I'm sure Jimmy feels the same way. But we're going to take a break and we're going to come back. And Jimmy, you're freaking favorite segment current affairs i'm sure is coming up and am, am, am i right or wrong dj hit the music <laughs> all right it's a current affair it's a current affair love it in color it's a current affair all right, we're back with Current Affairs, and one more time, not sponsored by anyone, and it can be sponsored by you, so don't forget us, <laughs> Current Affairs. Anyway, so we got a couple Current Affairs here. Anyone, but it can be. Yes, it can be. It's not, Completely. but it isn't. Come on, it's, somebody it's, sponsored. It's wide open at the moment. All right, so they're just a couple because I know we, we had an excellent conversation with Reno. We'll give a little sneak peek into this. Had your phone not died, we would have had even more uh, with Reno. My goodness. Yes. And yeah. Totally could have kept going. I mean, he, we, and he wants to come back. So we'll figure something out on that, but there's just, uh, there's so much history there. And yeah. Uh, it, yeah. yeah. I mean, but my it, phone, my phone put the kibosh on it. <laughs> It's all good. It's all good. So the funny thing is, is Reno, you know, like he and Barry, I was thinking this as we were talking, he and Barry Horowitz, and George South, those guys are yeah. like the A plus enhancement guys. Mike right? Jackson. Mike okay. Jackson. Yes. Those Rocky King was kind of like that too. Yeah. You know, you had the A plus enhancement guys, you know, yeah. kind of, and then you had the, you know, lower tier guys that really no name guys that you just kind of yeah. had to you said you would even have to shoot with sometimes. So yeah, 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 exactly. And, but, well, and guys though, uh, you know, Reno, all the ones we said, um, people know that name, you know, yeah, and totally. that's kind of the point that make money and let people know your name, I guess, you know? Yeah. And he was really good, man. He was really good. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's it's almost crazy because you think about somebody like a Tully Blanchard, okay? I always thought Reno. Now Reno is actually at one time way more jacked than Tully, but what I mean is yeah, someone of similar height, someone of yeah. similar skill level, you know, yeah. but at the same time one guy had one thing. I guess maybe he's a second generation where Reno's not, who knows, right. but yeah. It's just kind of interesting to see how some guys make it and some guys don't, and it's like not anything to do with their talent or abilities, nope. you know. So timing Time, time. Right place right time and somebody knows that you can do something that they need yeah well that leads into my very first current affairs is this the other night on monday night raw our boy made a reappearance and so they did the dx 25th anniversary of course you know the whole team couldn't be there of course rest in peace china billy mm -hmm. guns and aew ass daddy or whatever he is but mm -hmm. 
with, you know, you had Triple H, you had Shawn Michaels, you had Shawn Waltman, and you had, it's me, it's he, it's the <laughs> R-O-A-D-D-O-double-G, our, our you, alumni. I, he was an alumni of the show, so it was really cool, man. <laughs> you, you botched that so bad doing his name. That was horrible. Yeah, you I, did it like I did on, on the interview. <laughs> oh, which one was worse? <laughs> It was that one, mine. Yes, I I know, I, I and I have not seen it, man. I haven't watched it. I've seen stills of them all, you know, in the middle of the ring and blah blah. blah. So I haven't seen it, but yeah. yeah, I mean, and I've seen I've seen some reactions, some fans. When are they gonna stop doing these guys? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's just yeah. wrestling fans being wrestling fans. Some wrestling. love, it, some don't, and yeah, you got trolls and all that stuff. But uh, I Did think it? overall the. There's no way. Like I said, I didn't hear and see it. I only seen a still, so I couldn't tell you the reaction, but it had to be great. And some people just need to shut up. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think if you hate wrestling so bad, quit watching it. Lord, emergency, quit torturing yourself. Right. I mean, do you? what is the joy out of it? Is the joy your pain? Is that what the it is? Joy, the joy for them is being a troll. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, getting the attention of that. It's like a little kid that needs attention. He'll do anything yeah. for it. He'll yeah. do anything for the attention, whether it's positive. If I can't get it positively, I'll get it negatively. Right. Yeah. Look You're exactly look- right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, but the cool thing was, is there was a scene where Triple H is saying, okay, and he's got them all in gorilla. It looks like, and he's all right, all right guys, we gotta, we gotta get together on this, you know, no cursing, no, no jokes about genitalia or anything like that. And road dog <laughs> says penis, we'll, we'll say penis. And <laughs> that was hilarious. And then Sean Michaels and then Sean Walton to say something. And then as they walk away, Triple H says something, and it was a total shot at AEW. He says, hey, no fighting. (laughs) Yeah. It was a subtle jab, and I I love those. But, you know, the biggest. Oh, oh, oh. That just struck me. Sorry, I'm slow on that one. Yeah. Yeah. So the biggest, I think, news, and, and this will actually be our final current affair for the day, are a couple of amazing returns. One of them is the Good Brothers. They are back in WWE. So we've known this now that Triple H has hired all the guys back that he didn't want to fire, but Vince probably did. So he hired the Good Brothers back to come back and work with AJ Styles against Judgment Day, which I love that. I don't know Carl Anderson, but I'm a fan of Doc Gallows as a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's cool. I'm, I'm happy. I know you know him, and yeah. I, I'm happy that he's back working for the WWE because every time he gets fired, he always says, okay, that was my last run, and I love that he's getting another one. It's just, you know, yeah. you, you like to see guys like that, you know? It's, I don't know. Yeah, and that's it's funny because, you know, they have that brand, the Good Brothers, you know? I know. Elbow and all that kind of stuff, man. And, then, yeah, I mean, that's what uh, – you know, they they say the boys back in the day and stuff, and I guess now kind of like he's a he's one of the good brothers. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. That's kind of the he's he's one of the boys. He's old school. He's you know all the qualities that come with that. And I won't get into maybe some of what those are, but right. You know, yeah. I mean, he's a good brother. He's a good brother. <laughs> brother me. Brother, me, brother. <laughs> Dude, he's got a character, Sex Ferguson, that if you, you just look him up on YouTube, y'all, I swear he's hilarious. He he okay. does this. It's an old, he wears a Ribera jacket. He, mm-hmm. he, he wears, oh, his tights. Really? yeah, he wears his tights tucked so in his cowboy boots. He's an old school gimmick. Yes, he's a total old school is gimmick. He, 
is he doing uh, uh, what's his name? ECW. No get uh, Steve Carino. Steve Carino. Yeah. Yes. Um, all right. So yeah, Steve Carino is who you're talking about. It is kind of like that. It's okay. a very element of old school, although he's doing it more in a comedic light where Steve, yes. I think, feels like he was a hundred percent old school, which right, is cool. Right. You know, did you yeah. ever work, Steve? I think so. I'm not positive, man. If I did, yeah. it was not once or twice or something like that. Sure. Yeah. I yeah. remember I mean even up there, I, I worked so many of them up there, but I mainly We've talked about this. It was just uh, Mikey and Spikey. That yeah. We were, uh, but, you know, I worked. I don't know if I've ever told this story, man. I, I worked Taz up there one night. Did I tell my Taz story? And I worked him in a singles match. You told the story about Jamie or somebody putting sugar packets on yes. his bag. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. But you didn't tell anything about the match. So. No, the match. I mean, hell, it was good, man. Sure. I would love to see that. Yeah. Yeah, I would too. But it was a it was a house show. Yeah. And the only thing that would have it would be the ECW fan cam. And I'm sure right. it's out there. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to find that. That's a big deal. Okay. Well, you know, speaking of other returns, and I know we we got off on another topic there, but I, I like where it was going, so I didn't stop it. So yeah. Bray Wyatt returned at Extreme Rules. So, you know, this has been kind of the worst kept secret in wrestling is that you know, Bray Wyatt was eventually going to return with all these lead ins. And, and as some people were saying, if it wasn't him, I was going to riot and all this stuff. But yeah. I was going to quit watching. Yeah. I was going to quit watching because this was <laughs> it for me. So, you know, Bray comes out. He has his lantern up. He's got a new modified face, like a Joker looking face. It, you and, know what uh, I thought of? And, and then uh, the kid here. Uh, Isaiah, he was watching it, and his take was that the mask looked like uh, the black phone. It did. And I thought, yeah. it did, right? Yeah. Have I have, I have, and it did look like but, that. That's a great yes. point. I thought yeah. was, before he said that, I said, yeah, I said, but you know what? I thought was that it looked like, uh, kind of like the Green Goblin. Yes, it does. It does. The lighting made differences in both of those things, but the shape of the face and the, and the shape of the face on Blackfire was kind of like the Green Goblin, but right. You know right. how he wore it or whatever with the different pieces, but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. I thought it was super cool, and that's man. And I, I <laughs> me and Isaiah had these conversations. Uh, I said, uh, you know what? I said, man, you might be witnessing something. I said because. Undertaker's pretty much done. I said, if they stay with this and they do it right, and those are, this is not like saying, like knocking anybody. It's just, it has to be done perfectly like the Undertaker's career. But Bray Wyatt could be this generation's Undertaker. Yeah, totally. Because he's he's not there no more, right? Right. He's not. Yeah. If he comes back, he's going to do something. But there's your once in a lifetime, uh, creature feature you know what i mean yeah if they do it right he could be the the undertaker of this generation and i think that's what was so frustrating about his first run and then them letting him go is because we see that i agree totally that if done correctly he could be this generation's undertaker he has all the need the necessities 
to have and they just need to push him right and 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 preserve him and hopefully they uh, you know the funny thing is is back when undertaker was getting over you kind of had that 100 percent booking whereas now they have like a 50 50 booking where you want to make everybody winners sometimes and it's just to me it's ridiculous because that's just too much you don't ever get a guy over with 50 50 booking in my opinion seen some things too man and, and correct me if i'm wrong i i seen stuff where like people are starting to give professional wrestlers records wins losses but i yeah. don't think that should happen aew does that yeah yeah uh, well i don't think that should happen i mean yeah. because then that kind of takes away from so many things that are pro wrestling i mean right. i don't right. say that in words really but that's not what it's about. Wins and losses. Right. Oh, come on. The baby face loses 75% of the time, but they, those 25% when they do win mean way much more. So it's just like, no, come on. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're exactly right. If you think about it, they lose, they lose, they lose, and then they win in a cage match or they win in a payoff. If you book it, in the way that I think it should be booked, you yeah. know? So then if you're leading that in, then your, your record's going to be one in four, <laughs> right? Exactly. you know, Ricky steamboats a one in four. That just doesn't make sense. That's not that good. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't want, I agree, but AEW wanted to make it have elements of the UFC brought in. I know. And I hate that. We've talked about yeah. that. I fucking yeah. hate that. Yeah. If, if I want to watch UFC and see people go out there and shoot and, you know, do other stuff. Yeah. I'm I'm going to watch that. But if I want to watch people put some sauce on their moves and, and do cool stuff and tell me a story, I, I want to watch that. It's, I hate that correlation that some of the guys have developed. Yeah. Really. Yeah, I agree. I hate 50-50 booking. I don't like records. You know, Goldberg having 100 million and zero undefeated is a storyline. That's not a record. Exactly. You know? Yes, that was a storyline. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. But I totally agree with you, man. And, I, you know, basically for that, that is our current affairs for the day, y'all. Like I said, I didn't want to keep it too long because I know we've talked to Reno and we will have Reno back. But anyway, take us out, Wolfie D. Hey, this is Wolfie D saying thank you once again for listening to Live and in Color with Wolfie D with Jimmy across the street. And we had a great time at Reno Riggins. I hope you guys will continue to listen and continue to spread the word, share the page, share the podcast however you need to share something just tell people about it because i think review yeah yeah rating reviews all that stuff that jimmy knows about that i don't do (laughs) says do what jimmy says and come back next week we love you thank you goodbye and now a word from our sponsor gentlemen welcome to give me back my pro wrestling the podcast that's based on the old school but can still help you find the good stuff from today jimmy street and the plastic chic jared are the undisputed tag team champions of the wrestling podcast world from thought-provoking topics to superstar interviews to action figure expertise this team does it all and all they ask is give me back my pro wrestling Every other Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the big picture, Michael Jablonski. 
Don't forget to tune in every week to Jablonski's Pissed Off on the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling YouTube channel. The completely divided for so long. Two movie fans have decided to unite for the people and the betterment of mankind. One, an action movie buff. The other, a horror movie fanatic. Together, they will try to bridge the gap of both genres into one podcast with their battle cry, Give Me Back, My Action and Horror Movies. Listen along as Charlie and Nate alternate each week talking about action and horror movies they cherish, mostly from the VHS era. Also, including some modern examples that felt like the movies they grew up with by answering the battle cry. Give me back my action and horror movies. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Look them up on Facebook and Instagram. If you're a fan of rock music, I'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to check out my podcast. It's called the Decibel Geek Podcast. We've been doing it for about 10 years now. We talk about Kiss. We talk about Ozzy. We talk about Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and Metallica. We talk about all the legends from the 60s and on up to brand new bands that you should be hearing about today that you're not going to hear on the radio. It's Decibel Geek. Wherever you find your podcasts, you'll find us there. If you love rock and roll, I can almost guarantee you're going to love my show. If you're a pro wrestling fan, there's something for everyone at the Cheap Heat TV Podcast Network. From the Pro Wrestling Discussion Show, Cheap Heat TV Live, to the Interview Show, the Jackson Interaction Podcast with the king of all wrestling media, Gene Jackson, to the silliness of the Whitey Jenkins Show, and the brand new Zip, Xander's Irresistible Podcast with Charles Anders. You can check them all out and much more over at CheapHeatTVLive.com. So that was another great episode. Hey, Wolfie, tell them where they can find you on social media. Jimmy, they can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. I'm just kidding. Uh, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, my personal page is Warren Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. Uh, I'm on Instagram, at Warren Wolf 13. You can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Live Wolfie D. And then on YouTube, at Live and in Color with Wolfie D Podcast. Our website is anchor.fm slash Wolfie D. Here's the thing. Wolfie always has offers for his autographed photos. He has a selection of some awesome photos from throughout his career that he will autograph and personalize any way that you want him to. Just contact him either directly at his personal Facebook page or through any one of our other pages, and we'll make sure you get in contact directly with Wolfie. Get those photos, right, Wolfie? Yeah, I've got some good stuff on there, you know, to help with the podcast. Folks, if you can't get out to a show to meet Wolfie D, there's nothing like that, especially for the fans of PG-13 and Wolfie. D. Also, do you have a product or business you'd like Wolfie D to talk about? Let us know about it by leaving a recorded message over at anchor.fm slash Wolfie D slash message.
message. Leave your name and contact info and we'll get back to you. Once again, that's anchor.fm slash wolfyd slash mess. And before we go, you can always find me, your host, Jimmy Street, at James Rock Street on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And hey, Jimmy, before we go real quick, I just want to add in there, uh, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate, first of all, the work you've done for this podcast. You have worked your butt off. Secondly, the people that are liking the page. Beyond that, even more is the people that are listening. And we really appreciate that. Yeah. And remember, guys, the podcast drops a new episode every Monday at noon. And our past episodes are streaming now on demand on all major podcast formats. Thanks again. I got a cat for you, don't. He got a cat. And here we go. The original white boy that came out sagging, not bragging, don't be hating, cause I'm spitting the truth. Still lobbing in color. Don't rush your mother, utilize a hubcap. I'm like any other. Back in the day, I was NOD, and I was P to the G plus the one and the three. In case you forgot, they call me Wolfie D. Been cloned and copied so many times. Title suckers taking credit for what is mine. You know who you are without me name dropping wrestling's first white boy coming out hip hop. Been doing it like this since 92. Played alone for a while when you thought I was through. Listen real close to these rhymes that I've injected. This shit's so sick, it makes your ears get infected. Bad skills, no faking, there is no one great. Cause I'm bringing more folks and over one for later. Not here to play games, so you better beware. You don't like me, so what? I really don't care. All the time I keep ticking and I can't be stopped. You set a step to the side unless you want to get dropped. When I'm finished, I'll straight knock you out. Please allow me to tell you what it's all about. Gonna wind it up. Driving it home, it's Ruby D, baby. Huh? I got a cap for your dome. I got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. This has been a James Rock Street production.